Welcome to the big topic in women's MMA. Frank Posen here along with Schwan Humes. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, Frank Posen's Big Bad Podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Charlie Jewett, all the way from Japan. We talk about the uh, Ryzen uh, Super Atomweight Championship fight from last Sunday. I'm going to talk about a little bit bit of that here before we get into our usual stuff i just wanted to mention that i posted a video from this week's nxt up on my blog it is uh raquel gonzalez and dakota kai versus uh beating uh io shirai and zoe stark and this is kind of a time waster because of course io is defending the title against raquel in a couple of weeks and so they just want to give you a taste of what they might expect and the main thing to expect is for EO to take ridiculous bumps. And sure enough, after the, after the match, whoa, what are you doing there? Sure I'm sitting on the floor, sitting still. Yeah. After the match, after the match, uh, EO takes a bump through the broadcast table. People think she gets killed when she does stuff like that, but she did an interview like, uh, Right after that, in the trainer's room, she's icing her back down, but she's fine. So uh, that's all I really wanted to say about that. Okay, let's go on to last Saturday's uh, UFC show. First thing is that um, Julia Avila versus Ulia Stoliarenko was uh, called off because Ulia fainted during the weigh-ins. And it was usually we get a lot of overreaction to this sort of thing, like they need to make them stop cutting weight or, you know, whatever. And that's not going to happen because the uh, athletic commissions have to go along with any changes that they make. Uh, The one thing that I would like to see the UFC do in this situation is have their doctors keep better tabs on fighters on the morning of weigh-ins, because I think uh, according to Ulia's uh, Instagram, she says that she finished with the weight cut and she was basically sitting around for several hours and that's why she fainted. And I also, uh, Casey Layden, who is a uh, videographer for the UFC, mentioned that it's not the first time he's seen, he's seen fighters uh, faint backstage all the time. Just this, is, this happened out in public. So um, what do you think, Shawan? You got any comments on this? Well, it's just a couple of things. One, if this is happening where fighters are passing out in the back, I don't see how the UFC can still trot them out to actually have fights. You would think that would make you physically compromised. So the reason she got pulled is because we all saw her faint and people faint backstage all the time. You put them in. Well, this change this changes my perspective on people who get knocked out or gassed out or don't have any energy in fights because if you're passing out in the back in the backstage area, then you you're physically compromised. You can't perform in maximum effort, and that's going to affect you physically when you get knocked out or moving forward in your career. And lastly, how does the UFC not have a process set up? So these things don't kind of happen. Like you're a billion dollar company. You shouldn't be, she should have never been in that position of waiting several hours and being put in a spot where she might pass out twice. It, I don't know. It just seems very irresponsible to me. Well, this is why I suggested, I suggest that the best thing for them to do is have their medical people uh, just keep a better eye on them. That's all. I mean, if you see somebody, if, if somebody, if a, a medical person sees a problem, they can do something about it or, or whatever. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? And so yeah. that that's really the main thing that I would 
uh, recommend. Other than that, I don't really have any other recommendations because you're not going to stop fighters from cutting weight. You know, and in Ulia's case, the reason she's cutting weight is because if she stays at featherweight, she's not in the UFC. So that's the reason she's cutting. One, one huh? last question. One last question. Weren't they supposed to be not doing go, go, changing the weight process where if somebody can't make a certain weight healthy or in a healthy manner, they either had to move up or they had to discontinue their contract? Wasn't that something they were doing a couple years no. ago? No. No, that was the California State Athletic Commission, and there was no. There was nothing binding about what they would do is make recommendations. Doesn't okay. mean the fighter has to do it. That's true. But I, I don't want to hear fighters complaining years later that nobody cared. Nobody looked out for them. They suggested something. You didn't want to do it. Well, I, it, it, there's no, it has no teeth. Like they can't force anybody to do anything. So it, does, it, it has no teeth. We're not in California. Anyway, we're in Nevada. So, uh, you know, so like I said, Ulia is cutting weight because if she stays at featherweight, she's not in the UFC. It's very simple. Okay, so that's the reason she's cutting weight. Anyways, there were two fights that were on this show. The first one we have uh, was supposed to be um, um, uh, Cheyenne Buys versus Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen pulled out due to injury. The replacement was Montserrat Ruiz. Montserrat is from Mexico. We saw her in Invicta. She went one one. She was actually preparing for an Invic- a future Invicta fight when uh, she got the call for this. She's pretty small. She is an amateur wrestling uh, champ in Mexico, but I, you know, I saw her in Invicta. I wasn't impressed with her. Cheyenne uh, trains at Fortis MMA in Dallas, and she trains with her husband. And she was in the Contender Series. So the thing about this fight is, uh, uh, Montserrat used the headlock takedown. And usually a fighter should be able to get, uh, you know, a rear naked choke out of it, right? Because, uh, but Montserrat was somehow able to hold on to this. Uh, I don't know why Cheyenne couldn't get out of it. The only problem I have with it is I thought it was lay and pray. Like she didn't advance her position or anything like that. And I didn't think she did enough to keep the position. And I thought the ref should have stood them up. And if the ref stands them up once, She's not going to do it again. Okay. So all it really would have taken was one stand up. And I don't know why. why I don't know. My take on the fight is Cheyenne buys should thank God that she didn't fight Kay Hansen because Kay Hansen would have hurt her. If she can't get out of that, Kay Hansen would have finished her quickly or just beat the hell out of her. Second of all, I I get standing up the fight. Montserrat was literally doing nothing but holding on and laying and praying. Like you said, but there's a certain aspect of me as a martial artist or even as a as a person who's worked with fighters where it's almost embarrassing that Cheyenne Baez couldn't secure some, improve her position or just avoid being put, put in that position as far as a head and arm throw, get out of it when she was on the ground or do something to counter it. The fact that she couldn't do anything for three rounds straight, Montserrat did the same damn thing and Cheyenne Baez could not avoid it, could not escape it, could not counter it is... I don't know about you, but that's pretty embarrassing. I haven't seen anybody. Yeah, I, I agree. See, I agree with that part, but I don't think it ever should have got that far. It shouldn't have. But how do you? How do you? How do you let that happen? Three fights around. Like, let's just say the, your corner says the ref, the ref's going to stand you up after he hasn't done it in two rounds in a row. How are you not fighting tooth and nail to avoid that situation? How are you just accepting well, it? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. 
this is a bad loss for Cheyenne Boss. They, they, they wanted to move her forward, and she lost to somebody who was set up for her to beat and beat in spectacular fashion, and she lost dominantly. She, this is a bad loss for Boss. This is great. She didn't lose dominantly. She didn't lose dominantly. She lost she stupidly. She lost him stupidly. Hey, Monster. listen. No, 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 no. No, listen to me. Will you listen? It was not a dominant win. I'll tell you why. She's not going to get away with that crap with anybody else. Okay? That's true. You're, you're right. She won't. But my question is this. Cheyenne Byers was supposed to be somewhat of a future, a potential star. If Montserrat well. can't, can't, can't do this against anybody else in the division, that means Cheyenne Byers shouldn't be in the UFC. So that's a bad sign Probably for Probably not. I don't think either of them should be in the UFC. What difference does it make? All, all I know is this isn't a good look for Fortis MMA. They usually do a pretty good job with guys. This is this is yeah. bad. This is bad. I don't know. I don't have any comment on that part of it. I, I just think it was stupid. But on the other hand, the ref didn't do his job either. So it is it, 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 it is stupid. But it is stupid. But you couldn't. It's like somebody complaining. He held me up against the cage. Get off the cage then. Stop complaining. The ref ain't gonna save you. You know the ref ain't save you. Do something about it. How can you not do something yeah. about it? I don't know. It looked like a schoolyard fight to me. One, one that Baez lost, pretty, pretty embarrassing. That, if not dominant, that was an embarrassing loss. Yeah, it wasn't dominant. It was stupid. It was Anyways, let's, let's go on to the other fight, which we had uh, Macy Chase on beat um, uh, Marion Renault by unanimous decision. Uh, Macy also trains at Florida MMA. Uh, Marion is trading now with MMA Gold in California with his teammate Aspen Ladd. Uh, I thought Marion marginally won the first round, but uh, uh, Macy won the other two rounds, and she seemed to improve as, she, as the fight went on. And, um, well, we already have word on what's going on with Marion, and that's that she's going to have a retirement fight in July against a returning Misha Tate. So, I don't know what that's going to be like because this has been away for five years. I never know what fighting is going to be like after uh, being away for that long. My, my, it's. I'm kind of glad she's retiring because, as I said, she's still one of the best athletes. She's all class, but the fact of the matter is, her whole career has been hindered by the fact that she cannot not dictate the pace in the place where a fight takes place. And it's the same thing against Chiasen. She wasn't able to hold her against the fence. She wasn't able to get off the fence. She wasn't able to consistently take her down or hold her down. And every time Jason got a position, Jason controlled her, outworked her, and basically just bullied her. I don't know that Jason actually outskilled her. Um, she showed some growth, but she she just she just bullied her basically. And Marion Renault did not have the skills. She has the athleticism. She does not have the skills to set up takedowns correctly, to pivot out of positions, to get underhooks and reverse positions. She just doesn't have it. And against a certain class of opponent, she's going to be dominant. Against another class of opponent, she'll put up good fights because she's that good of an athlete and she's a competitor, but she doesn't have any of the skills to pull away against higher-end opposition. And that's something that's held her back criminally, held her back the entirety of her career. The fight against Misha Tate, it's a big fight. It should be a fairly big money fight. She earned it. She's been nothing but a good soldier for the UFC. She's fought anybody they've asked to. She's never never performed like poorly where she's quit or hasn't get 100%. But if Misha Tate's been training, Misha Tate's be- the, the worst version of Misha Tate is two levels above the best version of Marianne Renault. The only thing I have to wonder is, does Misha Tate react to getting punched very well? And if she does, 
she's going to beat her. And if she doesn't, then Marion Renault should be able to pull it out. Well, I'll say it's 50-50. She'll probably still lose. But if, if Misha Tate hasn't been preparing at any level and just coming off the couch, it's going to be a bad night for her. But I can't imagine Misha Tate just walking into something like this and not being prepared for it. Well, you just never know what a fighter is going to be like coming after coming back after a five-year layoff. That's all. True enough. Yeah. The one last thing I want to say is, Jason, she showed a little bit more discipline. She was trying to keep her range, establish her jab, use her long strikes, but still the majority of her best work is done because she's bigger and stronger than these girls and she fights at a high pace. She's still not great defensively. She's still not great on the counter. counter and technically, she's gotten better, but she's still more of an educated brawler than a technical fighter. And I just don't know that she has enough to beat girls who are comparable athletes. I don't know that she beats a Holly Holm. I don't know that she beats Aspen Ladd. I don't know that she beats Jermaine Durandamy. I know she doesn't beat Amanda Nunes. When she doesn't have that physical advantage, I don't think she's as good a fighter. I don't even think she gets past Ketlin Vera, to be honest. We'll see. You know, like I said, she's, you know, she's really a featherweight. And she's dropping the bantamweight. So, I mean, she's obviously doing that for competitive advantage. Yeah. All right, let's go on to Sunday. We had uh, the Ryzen Super Atomweight Championship. Ayaka Hamasaki, the Kana Asakura by split decision. Now, uh, this fight is up on Ryzen's uh, uh, YouTube page, and I've also posted it on my blog. And, um, you know, the way they score fights differently in Japan, So, but I want to uh, do it the way we normally do it on a must system. In round one, Ayaka got off to a really good start, and then the ref stopped the fight to look at Kana's eye, and I think that really killed Ayaka's momentum, and I think if he doesn't do that, Ayaka gets a knockout. You know, I don't, I don't think it even goes past the first round. And, you know, in the second round, Ayaka starts out with a takedown, but then she gets reversed and she makes this mistake that a lot of fighters uh, make that she tries for submissions from the ground, but she doesn't try to get out, of, out from under. And so I thought uh, Kana won the second round. And in the third round, they seemed both, both seemed pretty tired. And I didn't think either of them were generating much in the way of offense, but I would have given Kana the third round just marginally. So I would have scored it the other way, uh, 10, uh, 29-28. But the reason the judges would not have given her the decision is in order for her to win the title, it needs to be more dominant. And she didn't go out and was, and was dominant enough. Now, it is there. I suspect there's going to be a rematch. Okay? But I thought the stoppage to took look at Kana's eye in round one was totally unwarranted. It should not have been stopped. Yeah, I I thought mentally when you're in a fight and, and somebody stops it, you're assuming nine times in ten, especially when you're in a position she was in, that you're winning the fight and it's done. So to you, mentally, you kind of shut down or decelerate because you're like, I'm one, I'm done. The other person thinks they're beat. And so they get a rush of energy because it's like, oh, my God, like I get a second chance. So, so you have two people in polar opposite mindsets, and it's very hard to come back and even fight a decent fight when you thought you ha- when you had victory snatched from you. Um, I thought she was on her way to stopping it, to be quite honest. If they would have stopped it, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. Um, 
The only thing real concern I had was even when she was taken out, I had no idea why she was searching for submissions. I get who her trainer is. I get how cool it would look for getting submissions. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of seeing fighters give away rounds or make fighters fight closer than they have to be because they have this incessant need to, to show that they're well-rounded. It's it just not play to your strengths, play to your strengths and win the oh, fight. No. And, and honestly, I don't, I don't think there should be a rematch. I think she had her stopped in the first round. They robbed her and they're just making a rematch for money, money purposes. Yeah. Well, that's typical rising though. They're going to do a rematch. Maybe, but it's a pointless rematch to me. That's just me though. Anyways, and a fighter to keep your eye on uh, for this, uh, deep jewels, uh, Adam Wade tournament coming up and the fighter to keep your eye on for this is likely to win this tournament. Park. Who's a Korean who is living in Japan and is training with uh, Yamamoto, which of course is uh, Kid Yamamoto's sister, and uh, she's the fighter to watch for that. But you know, Ayaka is Ayaka. She's like the Fuji. You know, that's who she is. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to this Saturday show. First of all, the match between um, uh, Julia Avila and. Ooh, not too- Sorry, my mistake. It's a match between um, uh, Hannah Goldie and uh, Jessica uh, Jessica Penne is postponed because Hannah tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, just want to mention again that the UFC has changed their protocols for this. A few months ago, if you tested positive for COVID-19 and then tested negative a couple of times, you would still be able to fight. Okay? The way they're doing it now... If a fighter tests positive for COVID-19, they have to quarantine for 10 days. So they, what they're doing is postponing the fights. Chances are pretty good. It was a false positive, but they're still quarantining them for 10 days. So the fight is going to be scheduled. The other fight that's on this card, uh, women's fight, is at flyweight. It is Jillian Robertson uh, versus Miranda Maverick. Jillian is from Niagara Falls, Ontario. Trains with Dean Thomas in Florida. Primarily a wrestler. Her striking is awful. Uh, Miranda Maverick trains at uh, House of Muay Thai in Norfolk, Virginia with Jake Chamberlain. Uh, she goes to school down there, which is why she trains her. She's actually from Missouri. Uh, you know, if she can get her striking going, she can win this fight. Yeah, the main thing is Robertson isn't Terrible striker. She's just not fluid. She's just not comfortable. Her issue isn't necessarily so much technique. It, it's comfort in throwing it, and it's comfort in accepting the fact you're going to get hit. I don't care how good a striker you are. I know people always said Floyd Mayweather never got touched. That's bullshit. He got hit every fight. He got hit in spar. He got hit all the time. He was comfortable with it, and that's why he didn't panic, and people didn't put – instead of hitting him four, five, six times, they hit him maybe once or twice. Jillian Robertson is technical in her wrestling. She's technical in her grappling. She's technical in her striking. Her problem is when a fight comes down to grit, when she can't impose her will or flex her athleticism and a person starts fighting back, she falls apart. Watch the fights. She'll be landing fine. Somebody hits her once or twice clean. She starts ducking her head, starts reaching for clinches, starts shooting out of desperation for takedowns. All her technical skills go out of the window. And when she's facing a lesser athlete, she can get away with that. When she's facing a comparable athlete, she can't. Miranda Maverick is more closer to her as an athlete, and Miranda Maverick also has a wrestling background. So those easy takedowns aren't going to come easy. Those That top control isn't going to come easy. She's going to have to fight her at every single range, and when 
Jillian Robertson has to fight, she tends to fold. She's a front runner, and they haven't developed any sort of skill set for her to slow a fight down when she can't physically dominate an opponent. And I don't think she can dominate Maverick. Now, Maverick's not great. Maverick's a mechanical striker. She's not hard to hit. But the difference is Maverick will take hits to land hits. And I think Maverick's a harder hitter. So if it becomes a tough, gritty fight, I have no faith that Jillian Robertson will work her way through it. And even for some reason, Jillian Robertson somehow does win on Saturday, that doesn't tell me anything because Maverick's so inexperienced. Jillian Robertson should be able to use her veteran seasoning, veteran craftiness to beat her the same way Jen Frey used her veteran seasoning to beat her last opponent. So that doesn't tell me anything. But if she loses, it uh, tumbles down the list because they've been trying to make her a star for years and she has never gotten over the hump. Losing to Maverick isn't an elite person. Maverick's up and coming. You lose to her, now we have a whole other discussion about your career. Well, I, I think um, they're looking to move Miranda up. And I think that's why I think she's going to win this fight. If she comes out aggressive in round one, I think she has a good chance to win. Yeah, she she hit if she hits Jillian Robinson with two or clean good shots, one or two really clean shots. Robinson's whole energy changes, and until I see her do until her I see her react differently, not just one fight, but two or three fights. I'm going to believe that she's going to fold because when I talk to fighters, I tell them, don't attack the technique. The technique is a technique. Don't attack the technique. Attack the character. Put pressure on Jillian Robinson and make her prove that through one round, two rounds, three rounds, she won't fold. If she folds in any of the rounds, it doesn't matter if she got all the way to the last minute of the fight and she folds the last 30 seconds, she still folded. The the blueprint's out there. You can handle her. She's got to prove it, and she can't fold, and I just don't have any faith that she won't. Okay, that fight is on the prelims, which will be on ESPN in the U.S. Isn't it on the and TSN card? in Canada. Isn't, that, isn't it on the main card because the fight fell through? No. Hmm, Not I as far as I know. I thought it was. Both, both, both women's fights that were supposed to be on this show were going to be on the prelims. Okay, okay. Just making sure. I, I heard differently. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about or is that it? Um, I just wanted to, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but uh, with the, the thing with Julia Alvia and her camp. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I, the reason this sounds suspicious to me is usually people do not flip out after one or two occurrences. So to me, for people to be spreading rumors, like she's saying, or talking about her, the people involved have to feel that she's been doing this on a constant basis. And if they have that feeling, then that means people in her camp don't like her, which means they're not giving her 110%. People can say, I can separate things, I'm objective. When you don't like someone or you can't tolerate someone, very few people can give them their very best. And if she's not getting her very best from her camp and sparring and preparation, that explains some of the things she's done in fights because she's just talented. I, I think a lot of her success is based off her talent. So if it's as bad as it seems, I think she needs to go elsewhere, get a fresh start, change a narrative on herself, and take some steps forward because she has a chance to be a star in the UFC, but she can't be a star fighting dumb fights like she did against the Jar Eubanks. That's inexcusable. Just to clarify, I forgot to mention it earlier. Julia Vila announced yesterday that she left the gym in Oklahoma. So we have to see where she goes next. Anyway, that's it for today. Uh, again, don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast. Uh, the uh, big to- the uh, Frank Post's Big Bad Podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for my blog or either my podcast, you can leave me on voicemail 
And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do so at Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Enjoy fights. We'll talk to you later.